With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Mara. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. We are listening to Be Still Thy Soul.
on a mountain in a valley, I behold only God. In hardship, I see God by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, I melted amidst sparks of the flames. I behold only God. That is from Rabia the Mystic, a uh, Islamic uh, saint and a Sufi mystic. I think it's appropriate that we begin with a quote from someone who recognizes that everything is God. Everything. God is either everything or God is nothing. Because who is man to decide which is which? But that doesn't mean that God sustains and endorses and supports unloving behavior, unloving thoughts. Rather, as Be Still Thy Soul, the song I use as my anthem to start the show every week, says you need to be strong. You need to listen to your song, your soul. Be strong, thy love. All you need is within you. And that each of us is one source of light. So today we're going to talk, and I invite any of you who want to call in to call 646-595-3584. If you want to talk, sometimes people call in accidentally. I'll say, do you want to talk? I may not let you talk uh, while I'm having my monologue, but I will certainly come back to you. So don't give up faith. Don't hang up, please. Give me a chance. I'm able to hear you disagree. So life experiences create our views or feelings about life experiences. So many times we develop either conscious love or conscious hate. What does that all mean? I woke up this, I guess a couple mornings ago, I woke up this morning with something I should say here today, but I will admit I'm human and I didn't get up and write it down. But there was something that I woke up to on Thursday that caught my attention because it says, listen with the ears of those who speak. Now I want to tell you that those words were a passage in this very short little book I wrote called Uniquely Created, Divinely Inspired You. And I thought, whoa. So I got up and wrote that down. And I decided to check on what that passage says. Because so much of our lives on trying to get people to feel and believe as we do. There's a righteousness on both sides. And people start pulling back and they stop listening. So that passage reads, if you listen to another story with your ears, you will filter the experience into your experience. Instead, hear the words from the perspective of the one who speaks. Hear their passionate call for some of your time, for some of you. Put yourself and your judgment aside. 
Listen with an ear to hear what the speaker needs to be heard and how you can help. That's not saying you should help deliver a message of hate, but you can help by listening and by adjusting your reaction so that your reaction can try to hear those words. And you can see the life experiences that drove someone to hate. In the song South, oh, excuse me, in the uh, show, it's a musical, South Pacific, there's a song that says it takes a long time to teach someone to hate. There is such truth in that. And what I was left wondering about as I meditated before the show today is the causes some who have horrific life experiences to come forward with a conscious love decision. They're going to try to love others. That doesn't mean that's easy. They're just going to try. And sometimes they're going to fail and they recognize that failure is okay and that they can stand back up. And why is it there are others who have exactly the same life experiences who are so angry and so charred by the experiences that they live a life of conscious hate? They hate others who describe the same experiences. They even probably hate themselves and they blame themselves for life's experience. What's the difference? I used to tell people that I believe, and maybe I, I know that I still believe this, but it's so far out there, it may be woo-woo, as my children would say. I believe that before each one of our souls popped into these human forms, popped in with a divine light intact, and fully blooming, so we all start equal. Before we stepped in, there was like a big video screen that showed all of the choices that the people around us could make. And we were asked as we stepped in, if the worst possible scenario plays out, can you keep your eye on love? And each one of us willingly hopped into this body saying, yes, 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 I can keep my eye on love. But some of us haven't. Some of the most vulnerable have not. So what can we do as individuals to deal with the hate consciousness that periodically masks, blocks, our divine light. That's what we're going to be talking about today. When you're listening to someone talking and you start getting a visceral and inside physical response to their words, stop planning on how you're going to counter them. Start breathing deeply and listen and invite your divine light 
Invite God who's with you every day sitting right beside you. Reach out. God, grab God's hand. Take three deep breaths. And then listen and talk. And one of the questions that we're seeing lately is there are some people who believe some do not deserve to be treated equally, that they're not that they're less than. Usually someone who wants to categorize others as less than feels less than. I've always said um, I suffer from divine equality. I don't see myself as less than anyone and I don't see myself as more than anyone. That has been true my entire life. Doesn't mean I haven't had life's hurts, believe me. I have my share of life trauma that I could have lost sight of the ball with. And sometimes I struggle with seeing the pain in others because of what I experienced. And there's always a judgment if I go to a group meeting of survivors, how can I be so positive and full of love? I'm lying. It didn't happen to me. Or what happened to me was not as egregious as theirs. Or I liked it. God bless. How many nine-month-olds like it? How many nine-month-olds even know what it is? Or if I go to an AA meeting, my alcohol drinking experience is not bad enough to make me an alcoholic. Whoa, who's to say that? Who's to tell me that? Who's to say that the same call of despair that influences those who lost their licenses, who harmed other people, who cause pain and suffering. The life experiences that led them to those choices are more horrific than what I lived. Who is to say that driving like a bat out of hell at the highest speed your car will go in order to get home so that the police won't stop you is not absolute insanity? And there, but for the will of God, go I. So maybe I was too put together. Maybe I didn't sink low enough. But I can tell you here today that I am not some sweet Pollyanna who has never lived life. I've had traumas, but I've chosen to consciously be loved. I've chosen not to take my eye off the ball. It has nothing to do with my genetic makeup. In fact, my grandpa was a, well, maybe it does a little bit, because my grandpa was, uh, back in the hills of West Virginia, was someone who was able to heal those who had physical ailments. So maybe genetically there's something, or sociologically, I saw and knew 
that you didn't have to step away from believing God was always with you. Now, my grandpa didn't take any credit for women, for people uh, getting healed from anything, from alert to other more serious uh, illnesses that affected them. He always said it wasn't him, it was God. Maybe it's that visceral, firsthand experience of seeing God in people's lives that ignited in me a consciousness of God. Do I worry about disappointing God? No, I suffer from that. I don't, because I know no matter what bad choices I make, that God will be there to love me, to be with me. So my life experiences are not perfect. What's the difference here? The difference here. Maybe it's being led to God at an early age. Maybe it's seeing God interact in the form of miracles in people's lives. Maybe it's just recognizing that God is everything or God is nothing. And I am ill-equipped to decide. God. But nonetheless, I do know that those times of trauma, when I've allowed my mind to encase around something that was sad and painful and was definitely conscious hate or conscious dislike, that in the end, in order to get rid of the oppressive feeling that I had inside of me, I had to open my hands and turn those feelings over to God and let God sort them out because I was not up to the task. I couldn't handle it myself. I needed help. Two things came from that. One is I learned to recognize when I got feelings that needed to be released. And two, that God would take them from me if I gave them up. If I released them. So rather than hating those who played a role in my feeling as I felt. I learned the power of forgiveness and recognized that each one of us on this planet have a unique pathway and have experienced unique experiences. And all of that creates different perceptions. And as I said last week, we may not share perceptions, but we all who can hear share the ability to listen, share the ability to look for that divine light within another, to look past the hate, to love, to listen, 
with an ear that is open to understanding an oppressive life. An ear on both sides of the drama we're seeing played out in the United States of people who have been not been treated as though they're not equal since 1619 and of people who have also been treated as not equal since six, since the beginning. Now the judgments against the poor in our country, because I'm going to focus for a moment on the poor. We don't talk about the poor very often. We act like that's all their fault. It's so popular today to cuss. And if I were cussing right now, I would say what BS means out loud, but I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about being poor, about being a little kid, even poor people have TV sets. And seeing this glamorized life of leave it to beaver on playing on the TV as people are bringing you food bags, as your parents are preparing you beans and bread as your meal, as your mother is trying to convince you that that tastes really great, try it. If you haven't tried it, try it. People look at me aghast when I say I don't really like beans very much. Oh, I can't stand the textures. That soupy bread. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But does that mean that that moment defined me? It probably did. It did define me, but it also makes me aware. Sorry. Makes me aware of what it is like to be hungry. For your parents to be worrying about the utility bills. And as you start succeeding in school, you become a bit more articulate than your mother. And so you call up and shout at the electricity company for turning off your power. How dare they? They're a monopoly, but they are also a public entity, or at least they're a public charge. So the lights are off. There is no food. No more TV. What did I have left? Children's choir. And let me tell you, I believe this word, these words. Jesus loves the little children. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious to his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I had a better voice when I was little more clear. But the point is that I had before me living examples of how you were supposed to treat each other and be kind. I had before me 
guidance on being the best person I could be. But I knew and I know that the Protestant work ethic still weasels its way through the American thinking, especially for the very wealthy. And you see it all the time. Like wealthy people don't deserve to pay so much money in taxes because if they don't, then they'll give that money to the poor. Not, not, not true for most of them. Why? Because they are afraid they don't have enough because they don't recognize they are enough. With or without money, we have made it to this point. Whether we made it on beans and bread or we made it on potato, potatoes with caviar on top, we made it. We are enough. And we are enough for the essential spiritual statement that God loves us. But under the Protestant work ethic, which, like I said, imbues, it's interwoven in the American thinking. And it's even interwoven in the thinking of many poor people, many of whom are very devout, devout in their religious beliefs. That if you are loved by God, God will give you wealth. God will give you financial security. I knew that was BS right away because here I was, a little kid, trudging off alone to go to church to sing in the choir. From the time I was two years old, my grandma got me in the choir. God knows why, but she did. And I sang my heart out. And I devoured those foods that the ladies put out on Sundays on those big tables. I lived in a government project. The people shared. But those same people felt inadequate. So we have people who feel they need to have their guns and they need to fight. And last week I said, uncock your gun and listen. And we have people that we should identify with who have never been treated as equal. We are common. We have that common characteristic. But no one can listen to each other because somebody has to feel more than. For both groups that have been less than, treated as less than, someone needs to now feel more than. My palms are getting warmed out, so maybe God is inspiring me to say, what we need is to listen so that we can feel equal to each other, equal to those guys who got the tax breaks, equal to the wealthy. No matter where you are on the social economic calendar, I guess it's continuum, in this country, you are equal to everyone else on the continuum, whether at the top or at the bottom. There but for the will of God go you. So what do I suggest today as we're burning up the time or I am with my monologue? Ask yourself first, when you hear words that evoke within you, 
physical nervous response, whether in your gut or in your heart or in your head, you start getting a headache yourself. How would I like to be treated if I had life experiences that brought me to this same place as this person? If it's a racial thing, ask yourself, why does it bother you or me that blacks want to be equal? Bother me that poor people want guns? I have to tell you until recently, I have never seen indiscriminate gun use by regular people, maybe police officers, but not regular people. Guns were in my family. I decided early on I wanted nothing to do with them, but that doesn't make me a saint, nor make my family members who have guns not saints. It just means that guns weren't for me. They weren't for me individually. Folks, that's what it's all about. How do you individually act? How do you individually respond? How do you individually feel about things? Because that's the only power you have. If you can't go from the direct approach of saying, why does it bother me that black people want to be treated as equal? Why not go the other way? Why do I think they are treated equally? Start questioning your hate beliefs. Ignite your love conscious light. Know that you are enough. You are not less than anyone else. Your life experiences caused you to be who you are. Interesting, and I guess I can never not be political. This week, I read something. I used to be a teacher time ago. And one of the books they encouraged us to read was Hooked on Books. I was like 21. Yes, I'm old. I'm 71 now. But I looked at those books and I thought, hmm. And as I was reading the newspaper, I saw that people were mocking. Myself, I questioned the president saying Yosemite and also Thailand. And I recognized something that if one of my fifth graders had said those things, I would have helped him more with his reading abilities. But somehow help is not possible for some people not necessarily because of choices they made as adults, but choices that were made for them as children that thrust them into adulthood unprepared. Choices that were made that affected their emotional and physical well-being, that were direct evidence for them that they were not enough. I am not a victim. I am a survivor. And I do not believe 
that any life experience I've had makes me better than anyone else because I survived. Refusing to see the lies in our thinking. Refusing to look at why we believe something. Refusing to allow our divine light to shine dooms us. To constantly needing approval, to constantly reframing the facts, to constantly challenging and allowing hate to grow in our lives. I am not hate-free. I don't know that you can be hate-free, but I do know this. I recognize it. When I feel it inside, I recognize that feeling that makes me want to fight. I recognize that sense and I ask myself questions. Doesn't mean I don't always listen or I do always listen, let me assure you. But it does mean that I'm willing to ask myself. None of us are going to please everyone. Not pleasing someone does not mean we are less than them. It means that our life experiences defined our way of viewing things differently. You know if your cup is half empty or a half full person. We all should be looking at a clear glass of water, but we don't because of our life experiences. But Whatever you are, you have control over that. And you have a helper because God is right there. Please take out your put out. Makes it sound uh, crazy. Uh, Anyway, put out your right hand and take the hand of God as you know God to be. Who am I to tell you? Once again, your God is defined by your life experiences. So hold the hand of God. And as you do, feel your arm and your palm. Let's start with the palm. Feel your palm start to warm up. With the loving energy of God. Feel the love of God forcing up your arm. Know that no matter what you have done, God loves you. And now we're going to listen to 
I'm Helen Kampf, and I'm going to do a little guided meditation and then let you listen to the song to the end. As you're listening to this, ask yourself, what are my body signals? If I'm making you angry with what I'm saying, then ask yourself why. Learn, let us learn together to control these signals, which is what we'll talk about again next, next week. So quiet your mind and develop a habit of staying focused on what is being said, as opposed to thinking about what should be said back to the person. Allow people you disagree with, the freedom to tell you what they believe. You may find a kernel of agreement in there. You may find an agreement that being hungry sucks, that living in the project sucks. That being married off at a young age didn't happen to me, but being married off at a young age sucks. That being smart and not able to go to school sucks. Thank you, California. That didn't happen. Being woman in some cultures sucks. Not making enough money to support your family and suck, does suck. Not having a house over your head sucks. There's lots of common things. And when they say that someone is tone deaf, that means that that person has not experienced lack. They have not experienced being without. Or if they have, they've chosen to forget. And now that I've burned up time, I'm going to start Kyoto's Nest. Kyoto's Nest. Holding the hand of God with your dominant hand. And now reach out your non-dominant hand. And take the hand of God as you know God to be. Or as, as your fellow listener knows God to be. So that together we are God, human. God, human, and believe me, this circle expands for eternity. I have seen shows that had one listener that ended up having 180. I don't even understand the dynamics of caring, but I guess if one listener could spread this to 180 listeners, I believe that God is acting with us. So holding the hand of God, your God and your neighbor's God. Let us listen to Kyoto Nest. Sip and fill it up with the singer. 
this meditation is singing with God. So let's begin to sing a song of love. Pull your joyous breath up in front of your calves, up your thighs, cross over and go under and rest at your base chakra. Which I learned, there may be other teachings, but which I learned is the zone of fear. Those feelings that we're trying to recognize. We just had a good example. I could not say the zone of fear without saying which I learned, because I don't want somebody to say I'm wrong. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm fallible and I may be wrong. Let me push that fear and other fears back into the earth from which it Let me embrace being wrong so that I can learn to be more than I am right now. As I pull my fearless breath up to the sacral chakra, the zone of creativity. Not just children, but a vision. What are you denying yourself the right to be, to create? Embrace that. Embrace that as you move forward with your fearless, creative breath, pulling it up to the sacral, to the solar plexus the zone of healing. And all the presence of God on either side of you to heal. Suffering from thoughts and emotions. Now pulling your Giving, forgiving, 
breath up. to your crown chakra and open it like it is a baseball cap and allow your breath to infuse with the breath of God. That, my friends, is where I will leave you today. Next Sunday, we'll continue talking about recognizing signs of heat within us. May peace be with you. Be strong and know you are loved. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.